Hello, everybody, to the second episode of Lights, Camera, Sirens. And today, we're going to go straight facts for you. No opinions. It's just going to be a certain branch of forensics that we'll be studying today. And that certain branch is actually going to be bloodstain pattern analysis. And I will be referring to it as BPA for short. Let's begin. A crime scene where bodily injury has occurred is likely to have some amount of bloodstain evidence presented. However, the amount will vary depending on the circumstances of the crime. The type of injury inflicted and the amount of force used will determine the volume and pattern of bloodstains. The first one is sharp force injuries, which are stabbings. These injuries are caused by an object with a relatively small surface area, such as an ice pick or knife. Less blood is deposited on the instrument resulting in a smaller, more linear pattern of stains. Blunt force injuries are the second one, and that's a hitting or beating. Objects inflicting this type of injury are usually larger, such as a bat or hammer. If the object impacts liquid blood, the larger surface area collect more blood, producing drops of varying sizes. And thirdly, the gunshot injuries. Mist-like spatter caused by bullets entering and exiting the body will be presented. So BPA is the examination of the shapes, locations of patterns of bloodstains in order to provide an interpretation of the physical events that gave rise to these origins, which all that basically means that we can look at bloodstain patterns and determine how the blood got there and could determine what basic weapon was used. For instance, firearm, knife, blunt object, etc. And it could also determine where the body was that the blood came from at the crime scene. The placement, angle, all that. To even begin to understand how we analyze blood stains, we must first understand the basics of blood. So blood contains both liquid, plasma, and serum, and solids, red blood cells, white blood cells, and proteins. Blood is in a liquid state when inside the body. And when it exits the body, it doesn't remain a liquid for very long. Except for people with hemophilia, blood will begin to clot within a few minutes, forming a dark, shiny gel-like substance that grows more solid as time progresses. The presence of blood clots and blood stains can indicate the attack was prolonged or that the victim was bleeding for some time after the injury occurred. So, one of the most asked questions, especially with people outside of law enforcement, is, is BPA a science? And BPA is a general or class characteristic science, and opinions are often expressed in more general terms. A class characteristic science is a science that can have a broad result. For example, bloodstain patterns could conclude that the weapon was a firearm, but it cannot be narrowed down to a specific model, like a 9mm Glock. The opinions may then be applied to the overall case, investigation, or scene reconstruction. It is very important to understand that this science is only one component of a crime scene investigation. The analysis of the bloodstains need to be considered in the context of the scene and its associated evidence. However, this science could be used in conjunction with the case facts and render opinions based on case facts and scientific principles. So moving on, we analyze by completing a series of conclusions on the crime. Those conclusions are as followed. One distance from the blood source to the target. Two, direction of travel and impact angles. Three, nature of the force used to cause the bloodshed. Four, the object used to case the bloodshed. Five, sequencing of multiple bloodshed events. And six, 
interpretation of contact or transfer. When properly documented bloodstain patterns found at the crime scene or on a particular person's clothing can be used to 1. Confirm or deny the position of a victim, witness, suspect, or defendant. 2. Determine if there is evidence of a struggle or if the assault is one-sided, as they say. 3. Conform or deny statements made by principals in the case. For example, are stain patterns on a particular person's clothing consistent with accounts given by the victim, witness, or defendant? So again, moving on, bloodstains have three basic types. Passive stains, transfer stains, and projected or impact stains. So let's go into definitions of all three of those. Passive stains include drops, flows, and pools, and typically result from gravity acting on an injured body. Transfer stains result from objects coming into contact with existing blood stains and leaving white swipes or pattern transfers behind, such as a bloody shoe print or a smear from a body being dragged. And three, impact stains result from blood projecting through the air and are usually seen as spatter and may also include gushes, splashes, and spirits. Blood spatter is categorized as an impact spatter created when a force is applied to a liquid blood source or projectile spatter caused by spurting expirated spray or spatter cast off on an object. So the main rule, the one rule that we really want to focus on is spatter equals force. If there is no force, there won't be spatter. The characteristics of blood spatter depend on the speed at which the blood leaves the body and the type of force applied to the blood source. There's two more general rules we gotta try to keep in mind. So first, as a general rule, the greater the amount of force applied to the source of liquid blood, the smaller the resulting blood spatters. Also, spatters on a suspect's clothing or person may indicate that he was in direct proximity to the blood source at the time the force was being applied. So there's some more stains and spatters we can go over. The first one is the drip stains, and they are blood drops that falls at the speed and force of normal gravity. These drops usually fall from an open wound or from a surface that is saturated with blood. Blood forms a spherical shape, almost perfect circular shape, immediately upon separating from the blood source. This shape is caused by the surface tension of blood. Surface tension causes the blood drop to pull into itself, both horizontally and vertically, forming what is sometimes referred to as an invisible skin. The blood drop will settle into a spherical shape as a result of the surface tension. Finally, the surface tension will maintain the spear shape of the blood drop until it impacts with the surface. Gunshot spatter includes both forward spatter from the exit wound and back spatter from the entrance wound. Gunshot spatter will vary depending on the caliber of gun used, where the victim is struck, whether the bullet exits the body, distance between the victim and the gun, and finally location of the victim relative to walls, floors, and objects. Typically, forward spatter is a fine mist and back spatter is larger and fewer drops. The amount of high force impact spatter created will depend upon the size or caliber of the bullet fired as well as the distance from the muzzle of the gun to the target. So again with the general rules. The first general rule is the larger the bullet, the greater the potential for more significant spatter. The closer to the target that the gun is fired, the greater the potential for more significant spatter. So how do blood stains appear and how do they get affected? So let's start off. The type of surface that the free-falling blood or drip stain 
strikes affects the appearance of the resulting stain. Drip stains on a smooth surface will make a more uniform circular shape with smooth edges. Drip stains on a coarse surface will make an irregular shaped stain with rough or jagged edges. How can you tell the direction of the blood drop? The tail, as they call it, points to the direction of the blood drop. Unfortunately, I cannot show you what the tail is, but if you just Google blood drop, you can tell what the tail is. It looks just like a tail. How can the angle impact the appearance? So the steeper the impact, the more elongated the blood drop will be. Cast off drops results when an object swung in an arc flings blood onto nearby surfaces. This occurs when an assailant swings the blood-stained object back before inflicting another blow. Analysts can tell the direction of the impacting object by the shape of the spatter. The tails point in the direction of the motion, remember. Counting the arcs can also show the minimum number of blows delivered. Now, arterial spray refers to the spirit of blood released when a major artery is severed. The blood is propelled out of the breached blood vessel by the pumping of the heart and often forms an arcing pattern consisting of large individual stains with a new pattern created for each time the heart pumps. Expirated spatter is usually caused by blood from an internal injury mixing with air from the lungs being expelled through the nose, mouth, or an injury to the airways or lungs. Expirated spatter tends to form a fine mist due to the pressure exerted by the lungs moving air out of the body. Small air bubbles and the drops of blood are typically found in this type of spatter. Some blood stains are latent, meaning they cannot be seen with the naked eye. Investigators can use chemical reagents such as luminol to find and photograph latent blood stains. When sprayed on blood, luminol creates a bright blue luminescent glow by reacting with iron in the blood's hemoglobin. So, how is blood stain evidence collected? Blood stain samples can be collected for BPA by cutting away stained surfaces or materials, photographing the stains, and drying and packaging stained objects. The tools for collecting blood stain evidence usually include high quality cameras, steel and video, sketching materials, cutting instruments, and evidence packaging. But you might be asking yourself, what are some complications on collecting blood stains? Because there has to be some. Well, there are. The first one is large amounts of blood, such as if the person bled to death or was severely injured, that the resulting blood spatter was extensive can often yield less informational than well-defined spatter patterns. Too much blood can distinguish spatter or make stain patterns unrecognizable. Conversely, too little blood, just one or two drops, will likely yield little or no useful information. Stains that overlap or come from multiple sources present challenges to analysts but often reveal valuable details about the crime. Overlapping stains may obscure patterns details but can provide information on the force, timing, and instrument used. In the case of multiple victims, analysts will often use DNA profiling to determine whose blood is included in a given pattern helping to estimate the locations of the victims in relation to each other and the perp or perps. So how can we document bloodstain evidence after we have collected it? The most frequently used method of capturing bloodstains is high-resolution photograph. 
A scale or ruler is placed next to the bloodstain to provide accurate measurements and photos are taken from each and every angle. Vehicle and sketches of the scene and the bloodstains is often used to provide perspective and further documentation. So now that we have collected and documented the evidence, how can we interpret the patterns now? When blood is impacted, droplets are dispersed through the air. When these droplets strike a surface, the shape of the stain changes depending on the angle of impact, velocity, distance traveled, and type of surface impacted. Generally, the stain shape will vary from circular to elliptical, with tails or spines extending the direction of travel. Smaller satellite stains may also break away from the initial drop. By measuring the width and length of the stain, the angle of impact can be calculated, helping investigators determine the action that may have taken place at the scene. As the angle of impact changes, so does the appearance of the resulting stain. A blood drop striking a smooth surface at a 90 degree angle will result in almost circular stain. There is little elongation and the spines of satellites are fairly evenly distributed around the outside of the drop. Below 75 degrees, spines begin to become more prominent on the side of the spatter opposite the angle of impact. As the angle of impact decreases, the spatter stain elongates, becoming more elliptical. Spines become more predominant opposite the angle of impact. At very low or acute angles, a single satellite may break off to form a second stain. This is the distinctive exclamation point stain, as they call it. Analysts or investigators will typically soak up pulled blood or swab small samples of dried blood in order to determine if it is human blood and then develop a DNA profile. This becomes critical when there are multiple victims. DNA profiling may also indicate whether the perpetrator was injured during the attack as in the case of two DNA profiles found at a scene with only one known victim. Whenever possible, analysts or crime scene investigators try to collect the evidence intact. This may require removing a section of wall or culprit, furniture, or other large objects from the crime scene and sending them to the laboratory for analyzation. Items that cannot be removed, such as a section of concrete flooring, will be thoroughly photographed and documented. So, has this interested any of you? Have you wondered how you can become the one analyzing these bloodstain patterns? Let's talk about that. First off, who conducts the analyzing? Bloodstain pattern analysts can be found at all levels of the crime scene investigation room, from law enforcement to laboratory staff. Analysts investigate and study patterns at the crime scene and often screen and profile the blood in the laboratory as well. It has become more common for bloodstain pattern analysts to have a degree in math or physical science such as biology, chemistry, or physics. This helps the analyst to corroborate findings from other scientific disciplines including pathology, toxicology, and DNA science or serology. Analysts are typically required to undergo formal training in blood pattern analysts Analysts are typically required to undergo formal training in blood pattern analysis accompanied by competency testing and periodic continuing education. Certification is offered by an international association of identific but is usually not required. How and where is the analytics performed? Bloodstain analysts use established scientific methods to examine bloodstain evidence at a crime scene including informational gathering, observation, documentation, analyze, evaluation, conclusion, and technical or peer review. All tests and experiments should be able to be reproduced by independent analysts to ensure accuracy and quality. Outside consultants are used frequently depending on whether there are any trained analysts in the jurisdiction. 
The location of the analyst will also depend on the complexity of the case and whether expertise beyond that of the local analyst is required. Bloodstain pattern analysis is performed in two phases. Pattern analysis looks at the physical characteristics of the stain patterns including shape, size, overall appearance, location, and surface texture where the stains are found. Analysts then interpret what pattern types are presented and what mechanisms may have caused them. Reconstruction uses the analysis data to put contextual explanations to the stain patterns such as what type of crime has occurred, where is the person bleeding from, did the stain patterns come from the victim or someone else, are there other scene factors such as emergency medical intervention, first responder activities, etc. that affected the stain patterns. So to help reconstruct the events that caused the bloodshed, analysts use the direction and angle of the spatter to establish the area of conversion, the starting point of the bloodshed, and origin, the estimation of where the victim and suspect were in relation to each other when bloodshed occurred. To find the area of conversion, investigators typically use string to create straight lines through the long axis of individual drops, following the angle of impact along a flat plane for instance, the full wall where the drops were found. Following the lines to where they intersect shows investigators where the victim was when the drops were created. To find the area of origin, investigators use a similar method but also include the height calculations. This creates a 3D estimate of the victim's location when the drops occurred. For example, if the area of origin is determined to be only two feet above the area of conversion on the floor, the analyst may presume the victim was either lying or sitting on the floor. If it is five feet above the conversion, the victim may have been standing. The analyzing can be done using strings and a protractor, mathematical calculators, or computer models. Tools used to determine area of conversion and area of origin include elastic strings and protractors, mathematical equations, computer software programs such as Backtrack or Hemospat, and limiting angle method which examines the physical evidence to exclude angles from analysis. Example, if the blood is found on the underside of a desk or table, analysts know that at least a portion of the spatter producing event took place below the height of the desk or table. BPA can range from an investigation analyzing of blood stain patterns at the crime scene to bench work in the laboratory analyzing and DNA profiling of the blood. Limited analyzing can also be done using only photographs of the scene. And finally, let's answer some frequently asked questions that you all might have. First off, what kind of results can be expected from BPA? The results would generally take the form of a technical report that outlines the findings of the analyst. BPA results would generally include, in the opinion of the analyst, the following information for each stain or pattern found at the crime scene. A. How the blood stains were formed, type of instrument and action that caused the stains. B number of victims, confirmed case information, when possible the approximate number of perpetrators, the approximate position of the victim or victims, standing, sitting, laying on the floor, etc. using area of conversion and origin, and finally when possible the relative position of the victim or victims to the perpetrator or perpetrators. It would also be photographs and diagrams may accompany the report to provide additional details about the scene. Question 2. What are the limitations of the analyst? Limitations of the BPA include the fact that it cannot recreate the entire scenario as there are some unknown variables that analysts cannot account for using scientific methods. For example, 
The analyst cannot tell if perpetrator was older or younger, if an attack was planned or spontaneous, or if drugs or alcohol influenced the perpetrator, unless their blood was left behind, of course. BPA recreates the actions of specific blood shedding events with reasonable certainty based on measurements and understanding of the scientifically understood behavior of blood, not substitution or inference. The result of blood stain pattern analyzing are often used to support or confirm the findings of other forensic disciplines used in the case. Question 3. How is quality control and quality assurance performed? To ensure the most accurate analyzing of evidence, the management of forensic laboratories puts in place policies and procedures that govern faculties and equipment methods and procedures and analyst qualifications and training. Depending on the state in which it operates, a crime laboratory, a crime lab, may be required to achieve accreditation to verify that it meets quality standards. There are two internationally recognized accredited programs in the United States focused on forensic laboratories. The first one, the American Society of Crime Laboratory, Director's Laboratory Accreditation Board, and ANSI ASQ, National Accreditation Board. Also, in bloodstain pattern analysis, Quality control is achieved through proper training and testing for analysts as well as technical review and verification of conclusion. Technical review and verification involves an expert or peer who reviews data, methodology, and results to validate or refute the outcome. This review encompasses the analyst and observations, laboratory work, tests and experiments, bench notes, and written reports. The percentage of cases that undergo verification may vary depending on the experience of the analyst. In addition, defense attorneys may hire independent BPA analysts to review and re-examine questioned evidence to ensure accuracy of the finding. So finally, we just got to keep in mind that the one misconception is blood spatter tells the whole story. There are so many misconceptions about blood stain pattern analysis that would be important to the non-scientists. So the last question is, are there any misconceptions or anything else about bloodstain pattern analysis that would be important to the non-scientist? Television crime dramas paint bloodstain analysis as being able to tell investigators everything that occurred at a crime scene based solely on a few blood splashes or spatters. This is far from the truth. As discussed earlier, BPA cannot produce a playback of the entire crime. Bloodstains tell analysis with reasonable certainty what happened at a specific moment in time corroborating to the each usable stain. In some cases, the bloodstains are too few or the volume of blood is too great for analysts to reasonably render any opinion on the causes of the stains. So once again, the main misconception of BPA is that the blood spatter tells the whole story. So, everyone, that is the uh, second episode of Lights, Camera, Sirens. And that was just the first episode of Forensic Science in the Police Work Department. This one's a little bit longer than my first one. However, I am going to continue to try to grow, but I would never want to overly bore you guys with unneeded information. Um, so, if you guys would like a deeper investigation and research on bloodstain pattern analysis uh, just let me know on my Twitter which is lights cam sirens again that is l-i-g-h-t-s-c-a-m-s-i-r-e-n 
S. Go ahead and go over and follow that Twitter page and leave me, uh, tweet me anything you guys would like me to go over, any tips, any tricks, anything is uh, appreciated. So I will see you guys in the next episode, and I hope you all have a good one.